Hello everyone, we're back with another episode of Disclosures Decoded, where we analyze movies, music, and media, both new and old. I'm your host, Dorian King. And I'm Sasha Soul. Now let's open the vault to share what we've decoded. If you live in Sacramento, you know it's not the nicest place in California. For those of you who don't, the famous author Joan Didion can vouch for it with a quote that opens up the movie. Anybody who talks about California hedonism has never spent a Christmas in Sacramento. So this film is centered around the character of Christine Ladybird McPherson. She's a little bit of a crazy senior in high school who rebels against her mom in the first five minutes of the movie by hurling herself out of a moving car. She even goes as far as denying the existence of her given name, and so she goes by Ladybird as kind of an added means of rebellion. The movie is only an hour and a half, but it covers an entire year's worth of events, including major holidays and ultimately graduation, even the start of college. It flies by and it feels like all of what you see is very short and select portions of her life rather than all around detailed chapters. The whole thing finishes with a reflection by Lady Bird on what it took in her final year of high school to get to the college of her choice. And she thanks her mom for tolerating all her rebellion. The movie was released in September of 2017, specifically in Brazil, but later in November it came to the United States. It's described as semi-autobiographical. The director Greta Gerwig actually confirmed that what happens through the film just resonates with her, since none of it actually happened. So this movie was also Gerwig's solo directorial debut. She also wrote the script. Since this movie, she's gone on to film the movie Little Women, and she also cast the star of this film, Saoirse Ronan, in it as well. Lady Bird has a decent cast, starting off with the now popular Saoirse Ronan. Laurie Metcalf, who is a main character on Roseanne and has been acting for about four decades now. Lucas Hedges, who had been in multiple Wes Anderson films and the Oscar award-winning film Manchester by the Sea. He was also a main character in a film we reviewed earlier this year called Honey Boy. Timothy Chalamet was previously known for Call Me By Your Name, and he's in this as well, in a supporting role. So this film also gave Beanie Feldstein a step up in her career. She went on to star in another movie reviewed called Booksmart. I mentioned earlier that Lady Bird starts off with a quote from Joan Diddy. Anybody who talks about California hedonism has never spent a Christmas in Sacramento. Now, I live in California, and I love Christmas here, but I've never heard good things about Sacramento, let alone living on the wrong side of the tracks, as Lady Bird describes the location of her home later on in the movie. So I definitely can't comment on what it's like to spend Christmas in Sacramento. Yeah, I think using a quote like that to introduce the film sets the tone for the distaste of Sacramento. It's almost as though Ladybird feels like a plant brought up in the wrong soil, when Sacramento made Ladybird who she is. The relationship between Ladybird and her mother feels all too familiar. I grew up with a mother as a nurse in Northern California, and the story can go on from there. 
I enjoyed this movie for that reason, and the element of escapism wasn't lost on me, despite my connection to the film. So I don't know if the director was limited on the amount of time she could have in this movie, but it definitely felt like she could have made the movie a little longer. It would prevent things from seeming so rushed as we watch Lady Bird go through classic high school tropes. At least I think they're tropes now. The idea that Lucas Hedges is in drama class and she has a crush on him is already a bit of a cliche, but then she finds out he's gay when she walks in on him in the bathroom. That just encompasses the trope of creative and sensitive types. The other cliche was getting in with the cool kids and ditching her best friend Julie to remain cool with her new friends. It's interesting that Gerwig speeds through these all by taking the most important parts, but it also feels like we're cutting through too fast. Yeah, it does feel like it cannonballs you through these moments without seeing Ladybird's growth in depth. And for me, some of that growth felt a bit rushed. Even still, I think it's so endearing how Ladybird views the world in an offbeat way. I think one of my favorite moments is when she's at a college party with a guy and tries having a philosophical conversation about names and religion and the choices behind them both. I thought it was so simple and funny because it really shocks Ladybird. All this time, she aspired to be in a city of cultural individuals, but came to realize it's not the place that makes the people great. It's the people themselves. My favorite thing about this film overall was Laurie Metcalf playing Lady's mom, Marion. She did a phenomenal job playing her mother, and she really captured the role of a caring mom who is truly doing everything in her power to take care of her family, even when the odds are against her. Lady's dad is out of a job, her brother can't find one to begin a true career, and on top of all this, Marion has the time to work as a full-time nurse at a psychology clinic. She does a phenomenal job both as an actress and as a mother. I personally like the character Kyle because he's the perfect example of a pretentious activist. Yeah, he's always acting so enlightened, but the reality is he's not doing anything about what he seems to be constantly brooding over. He shows a lot of compassion as a character, but it's not toward the people around him. And I'm glad Lady Bird didn't end up with him because he clearly couldn't give her what she was looking for. She is such a romantic, and guys like Kyle and that group really represented how some people take and view relationships. It's so minimal and so flat, and for someone like Lady Bird, I wanted so much more than that for her. Love that is dealt in the way her cool friend Jenna and her ex-boyfriend Kyle give it can be enough for some people, and that's totally fine, but being a hopeless romantic, you'll only end up wanting and wondering. I think Kyle and Jenna are personally the type of people I would not want to be in a relationship with because there's a sense of emptiness within the relationships they have. And even the relationship with Lady Bird's mom mimics this to some degree. It really shows that she desires a certain level of affirmation from those around her when it's clear the people around her are incapable of giving her that to begin with. As the school year comes to a close, we found out that Lady was actually working privately to go to a school in New York because she was seeking more culture than what she could find in Sacramento. Her mom was against it because it would be expensive, but Lady didn't seem to care and decided to apply anyway. 
So at this point in the movie, she hasn't been accepted to the school, but things ended up working out for her until her mom finds out. Unfortunately, Marion is pissed off, and the relationship comes to a bit of a standstill when it was going pretty well prior. The crazy thing is that Marion's silence speaks volumes. When Lady gets to the airport to leave to New York, her dad decides to walk her in, but her mom turns down the offer with the excuse of expensive parking. It's sad to see that the last interaction between them proved to be a broken heart because Marion actually speeds back around in a realization that she should have hugged her daughter goodbye no matter how upset she was. Yeah, and there's a lot of deep topics that this movie does cover despite uh, being centered around family conflicts. The movie also touches upon suicide, coming out, and mental health overall. In the movie, we can hear about how Ladybird's drama teacher lost his son, and he's visibly brought to tears about it, and visits her mom at the psychology clinic. She later learns her father has depression, and even her best friend Julie says, some of us aren't built happy. I love the subtlety of how mental health is visibly different person to person, because it's truly not a one-size-fits-all. We can see how these characters find their solutions in different ways, whether it's through therapy, medication, or even relying on the support of your best friend. And it's great. It doesn't box the characters into a diagnosis, but showcases them as lovable human beings who can hold a job, go to school, and overcome obstacles. And I think the way Ladybird handles depression in others is also something to take note of to those who wonder how to support loved ones battling with it, because she really just offers herself. There's no production or blaming, invasive questions. She just gives her time and energy, and it's so mature for her age. Because it's also surprising that she's the same character who jumped out of a moving car at the beginning of the film. The film is pretty easy to watch because it's so short, but it's not necessarily for everyone. It's a tad bland and does pull on some high school cliches, but I think it does them justice with the way they're portrayed. I agree. I'd say it's really easy to watch because of the length of the film, but it isn't your typical happy coming-of-age film, so the timing and mood are huge factors for when this movie can be enjoyed. Yeah, and it might take two full tries to appreciate because the film is so fast and short that if you can't keep up with what's happening at all moments, you may not be able to register the emotions that fly around. And as you had mentioned earlier about the film's length, I read that the original screenplay spanned over 350 pages, but they had to narrow it down due to the film's length and for budgeting reasons. And I think... Knowing that after watching this, it does feel like it could have been a bit longer. I know personally, I felt a sense of longing after it had ended, and I couldn't understand why, but I'm sure it's because they had to cut some corners in the film. But overall, I think it may be worth a second try, because if you aren't paying attention, some key elements will go over your head for sure. And when it comes to the writing quality, I really enjoyed Greta Gerwig's use of female relationships. She makes them the focal point of love in films, and this is something not too common when concerning a female lead. Women are a duo more often than a solo act, and it's one thing that makes her stand out as a director. The love interests are shadows to the beacon of light that is the female lead, and I think it helps showcase women as 
themselves instead of being limited to what they do and who they like. Another film by Greta Gerwig is Frances Ha, and this is one of my favorite films because of its dry humor and honest depiction of adulthood and navigating your way through it all. It's similar to Lady Bird in the series of self-discovery and conflict, but on a grander scale of maturity. In both films, I was moved by the usage of early symbols, because if you pay close enough attention to these details, it's a full 360 of master direction. As far as acting goes, I mentioned earlier that Laurie Metcalf as Marion did an amazing job, and she was my favorite. But Sersha also did a good job as the lead role. She managed to capture the frustrated teen persona pretty well. Yeah, this is my first film of Sersha's, but with her being a staple in the Hollywood it girl scene, I've seen her face so often, I've almost felt like I knew her style of acting already. But I will say, her impression of an American accent almost makes you forget she's Irish. She's so fluid in her speech and demeanor, it's uncanny how American she is in this role. And I also liked how she depicted being a teenage girl, because it was relatable enough without feeling too real. The movie certainly has a lot of up-and-coming actors that really established their places in the Hollywood scene. Yeah, this film was an earlier one for Timothy Chalamet. I'm not too familiar with any of his other roles aside from Elio and Call Me By Your Name, which came out a year prior to Lady Bird. So it was really cool to see where he grew as an actor within the year he had filmed these two. There's a movie called Eighth Grade, written and directed by comedian Bo Burnham, that reminds me of this movie a lot. It's another coming-of-age type film centered on a female lead. There's a significant age difference, though. One is going to college, and the other is on the verge of beginning high school. Another one that is along the same lines is called Edge of Seventeen, starring Haley Steinfeld and Woody Harrelson. So... Although I did like the film, I feel like the movie had a lot of hype before I watched it. I don't think I can say that it matched what I was expecting, and I'd give it a 7.7. I think for what it was aiming to be, I'd give it a 9. It was supposed to mimic a memory and certain level of nostalgia, almost like a fly-on-the-wall-style filmmaking, similar to Boyhood, as Greta Gerwig had mentioned in an interview once before. And for me, I think it hits the mark of 7.5 out of 10. Because they didn't oversaturate the movie, but they had so much room for added potential that it almost makes me feel like we missed out on something. This was another episode of Disclosures Decoded. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now you can expose what we've disclosed.